We've been making our way through the book of Matthew, and we've got to this 13th chapter. And the 13th chapter is, is really unique. When we get to the 13th chapter of, of Matthew, Jesus, the setting is the Sea of Galilee, and there's a crowd of people that's gathered on the shore, and Jesus gets into a, a, a boat, and he pushes out a little bit away from the, from the shoreline so that more of the people can hear him. And there, sitting in the boat, Jesus uh, shares parables, seven parables. Some people have called this the Sermon on the Sea of Galilee. All seven of these parables have to do with the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the last time we were in this chapter together, we looked at the first parable. That was the parable of the sower. And we talked about the sower, sowed the seed. The seed was the word of God. And the seed fell on different types of soil. And the different types of soil was representative uh, soil. That sounds, the different kinds of dirt was... Um, <laughs> was the different heart, the different conditions of people's hearts that the, that the seed fell in. And uh, we, we looked at that. This morning, we're going to be picking up with verse 24 and taking a look at the second parable that, that Jesus spoke. And an and, uh, understanding of these parables, I believe, can help us with an understanding of, of what's going on in the times in which we live. So it's, it's, as we look at these parables, uh, matter of fact, Grace Stedman, who was a pastor out at uh, Pacific Baptist Church uh, out west, uh, and, a, and a good pastor, I, I love to, to read his commentaries, very down-to-earth practical guy, uh, I think it was Pensacola Baptist Church was a, was a church he pastored, but Grace Stedman says that, that really an understanding of these parables is, is like a key to understanding history between when Christ's first coming and Christ's return at the end of the age. So uh, it is very interesting to, to read and to follow as he explains those. I don't know, I, I'm not going to attempt to do that at all, but it's, it's, I am really, really, really excited about these parables. The first two, the one we looked at previously and the one we're going to look at this morning, the first two parables, Jesus explains them for us. And so there's, there can be, really, I don't think, any misunderstanding of what he means by them. Uh, but it's in understanding these two that he explains to us that I believe we gain insight and wisdom in understanding the other five, which he leaves, and I think which he expects that we will understand, now having, uh, having looked at and, and, and listened to his explanation of the first two. You should be in Matthew 13, and we're going to pick up with verse 24. It says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprang up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where do these tares come from? And he said to him, An enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to be burnt. But gather the wheat 
into my barn. Now, some, some of, your, of your translation, mine's got a subtitle here that says the parable of the, of the wheat and tares. And some of your translations may have a subtitle that says the parable of the wheat and seed and weeds. Uh, anybody, got, anybody got a translation that says the wheat and weeds? Yeah, some of the translations have that. Well, uh, Jesus says this, and then in verse 31 and 32 and 33, there's a, he, he speaks a couple more parables. Verse 31, he says, And another parable Jesus put forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took, and he sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the greatest among herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spoke he to them. The kingdom of heaven is like to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. Now, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And then in verse 36, he sends the multitude away. And then he goes into a house with his disciples. And his disciples come to him in verse 36 and say, they say, tell us what you meant by the parable of the tares of the field. Tell us what you meant by the parable of the tares of the field. Now, as I was looking at this, uh, he, he tells them, he says, he that sowed the good seed is the son of man. So who's the son of man? That's Jesus, all right? He that sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is what? The world. And what is the good seed? The good seed in verse 38 are the children of the kingdom. Now, who's the children of the kingdom? Oh, we are. It would be, it would be those in the first parable whose, whose hearts receive the word of God, and we call them become, become believers or became followers of Christ or Christians, and that God's word then was fruitful in their lives to differing degrees. That's, we're the children of the kingdom. The, uh, the tares, and it's interesting, um, some translations here is going to have darnell, the word D-A-R-N-E-L. I, I've heard, I'd heard different messages on this, and it, it's easy when you've heard messages over the years to just, you know, I, they sounded good to me. And I, so I, I wanted to do some research, and so I did, I did some research that the word that's, that's translated tares here, a, a word for that is darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L. And, my, and the research that I did uh, said that, uh, that in, as it was growing, as it came up, that it was almost impossible to tell the darnell from the wheat. Uh, but as they grew and as they produced fruit, if you look at uh, in verse... Uh, verse over 26, when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit. You see that? When it was fruitful, then the servants could tell the difference. Uh, my understanding, and, and again, as I've researched it, is that the, the darnell was, looked just like wheat. But, there, but there's a tremendous difference. The darnell produces a small seed that's very poisonous. It's very poisonous. And, but they say as the wheat and the darnell grow together, wheat, when its heads get, begin to get full and to get ripe, what does it do? It bends over. 
The wheat heads get heavy, this wheat, and it bends. And the darnell stands straight up. Now, I've thought about what a picture of, of the true Christian. As we grow and mature, we become more humble. And the darnell is that which is, looks like wheat, but it's not wheat. And you have to wait to tell the difference sometimes between the real and that which is counterfeit. All right, just, that's just a, a sidebar. To know that, that, that this, is, this is the darnell and the wheat. So they tell, tell us what you mean by that. So Jesus starts telling them. Jesus, he says, uh, the son of man is the sower. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now, I thought about, I was reading this, and I thought about the message that Pastor Tom preached last Sunday, which was, I love the message. And the message was, when you, when you find yourselves between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, or we would say sometimes when you find yourself between the devil and the deep blue sea, or some expressions would say, when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, uh, whatever the expression is, we've all been there, right? It's, it's found, found ourselves in an impossible, seemingly impossible situation. And the message that, that Tom shared last Sunday morning is, when we find ourselves, was it the Yogi Bear that said, when you get where you're going, there you'll be? Yeah. So when we find ourselves, we'll be there. When we, when we find ourselves there... We can, we can rely on the fact that either God has placed us there or allowed us to be there for his glory, for his glory. Now, as we look at this, Jesus has sown the seed. Who is the children of the kingdom? We are. So he has placed his believers strategically in the world. You're, you're where you are because God has strategically placed you there for kingdom purposes. Kingdom purposes. It's all about his glory. It's all about his kingdom. But I read that and I got plum excited. I thought, man, look at this. Look at how strategically placed each of you are, each of us are. And, we're, and all around the world, God has strategically placed his children. Now, he goes on in verse 38. And says, but the tares are children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is who? The wicked one, the devil. And there's a lot of other names that scripture has used to describe Satan, the deceiver, the destroyer, uh, the father of all lies. Uh, and, and, and these names are descriptive of Satan's methods and of his manners. And so when he says that Satan then, has just as significantly as Christ has placed us into the world strategically, into your families strategically, into your workplaces strategically, into your schools strategically. I just this past Wednesday at the nursing home, uh, shared, this person came up and, and was talking to me, uh, Miss, Miss Desi Plot. And uh, she said, Jerry, you may not remember me. I said, I do. And, and we were talking, and, I, and I, I, we ended our conversation talking about how strategic, that God has strategically placed her in Union County Nursing Home. This is her mission field right now. As he, just as he has strategically placed us, listen to this now, Satan has placed tares which are counterfeit 
Christian. The Jews have two, they have a couple of words, a couple of names they use to describe tares. One of them is degenerate wheat, and another one, I'll not, I'll not use it, but it means it's not real. It's not real wheat. It's not real wheat. But it looks real. It looks real. But Satan has sown this wheat, this tares among the wheat. Now, it's interesting here. As far as I can tell, the, 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 that uh, the only time Jesus ever called anyone a son of the devil or children of the devil, in John chapter 8, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you're of your father, the devil. And the reason I believe he says this, it's a strong condemnation. And I, and I believe that the reason he says this is this. That the Pharisees were teachers of evil while pretending to be religiously right. All right? You follow me? The Pharisees were, what they were teaching was, was wrong. What they were teaching was not only wrong, it was evil. But all the time they looked, acted, and pretended as if they were right with God and were his ambassadors. We would call this, uh, some people might be what we might call it, uh, they were just hypocrites. But there were more than that. Hypocrites sometimes is somebody's pretending to be something they're not. I, I, think, they're, I think they're more than that. Uh, Jesus reserves this. It's a strong, it's a strong condemnation. You're of your father. You're children of the wicked one, and you've been placed by the wicked one to disrupt, to, to, to grow up together with, and to try to poison with your fruit. Your fruit, when it comes to, to, to uh, full, when it gets right, it's poison. Poison. It's deadly. And it's mixed in. With that which is good. I believe that Jesus, what Jesus has in mind here is that these are, are people who claim and appear to be religious and righteous, but their fruit is deadly. Well, the servants back in verse 27. Uh, the servants get concerned. They can't tell it, but now as the, as, the, as the wheat is ripening, they see the difference. And they, knowing the danger of the deadly tares, said to the master, you want us to go get those darn it, you want us to go get those tares out. This is so interesting to me, is Jesus' response in verse 29. He says, no, lest you gather up the tares. While you're gathering the tares, you root up some of the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, I mean look, I, I look, I look, and I think about history, and I think about down through history, the damage that's been done 
oftentimes when well-meaning and good-intentioned people and even believers tried to root up the tares thinking that they could identify the tares. And they knew how to identify them. And so they were, and their, and their efforts to keep the church pure and keep the church, just to keep the church all wheat of things that were done that were tragic. And here Jesus says to, those, to these people, no, let them grow together until the harvest. One of my, one of my, I think he's a hero of the faith. I, I've watched Billy Graham. I grew up as a kid watching his crusades on, on television. And, I, and, and then as a pastor, uh, Barbara and I were blessed to go. Uh, been out, if you've been out to uh, Black Mountain and to the Billy Graham Conference, and we were with Billy Graham School of Evangelism and different things. And, and in my opinion, he's a man that's walked with integrity. He sought to walk with integrity uh, in a minefield, in a minefield. Um, and, and, I, and, and over the years, uh, he's caught some flack. Matter of fact, I, I remember very specific time. I remember when he was, uh, when he was in <laughs> Las Vegas for a crusade. Is Las Vegas, is that not the one they call Sin City, is it? Is it Sin City, is that? New Orleans is in city. There's a lot of names we could, a lot of cities now we could. But he was he was there for a crusade, and and they were they were interviewing him, and uh, on on some tell several television stations there, and as he was getting ready to come, but but some of the some of the local people, some of the local pastors, said we will not participate in your crusade here, because you are too lenient with not condemning. Sinners. He's often been criticized by those who believe they had the ability to tell the fake from the real. While the Lord said, leave them alone. I'll take care of this in my time. One of the things we learn from this parable, I think, is this. That one of Satan's go-to plays... One of the plays he pulls out of the playbook most often is Christian counterfeit. Christian counterfeit. Now, and I think about this. I'm going to read it because I don't. I, when I was when I was thinking about it, I wrote it down the way I was thinking it. I don't, it says I put. Sometimes wouldn't it be nice if evil people just looked evil? I, I, you know, really, it, it would help a lot. It really would, and it would help a lot if hypocrites would just snarl, maybe drool, and growl a little bit. That would help us, right? But the tares look so much like the wheat. The counterfeit acts so much like Christians act, whatever that means. The, they talk so much like Christians talk, whatever that talk is. My people, they, and, and, and that's the nature of tares. That's the nature of the tares. I was telling first service, and uh, I'll just fess up to you too. Uh, 
I was telling somebody this week, as, as, as I walk more steps in this life, travel more miles, blow out more candles on the cake, uh, I become a lot less judgmental. You know, I, I feel in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a one respect, I really, I really feel for you people. If you had known me, I've been pastoring 34 years here, I guess, something like that. If you had known me 20 years ago or 25 years ago, I knew a lot more then, or at least I, I, at least I thought I knew a lot more then than I know, than I know now. And I surely could explain, I had all the mysteries of the kingdom. I could tell you what they meant, and I could tell you where you were wrong if you disagreed with me. And I, and I, I don't think it was, you, you probably didn't, it probably didn't show as much. But inside, in my own mind, I did a lot of separating of tares and wheat pretty quickly. And I could put people in there, they're, they're phony, they're fake. They're all, they're all bluster. You know, they're all. Now, I've learned that I don't know what's going on in Bill and Bobby's life. And so if, if Bill comes across just being grouchy, a, a, a grouchy old toot, I, he's not. But if he just come across me, rather than me judging him, I don't know. I have no idea what's, what he's dealing with physically or what he's dealing with with their family. And I've just found that what Jesus, what I see in this, in this parable, and Jesus says, when Jesus says, let them grow together until the harvest. And then he says, I'll send my reapers. And he, he explains over here in verse uh, 41, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They're the reapers. Revelations chapter 14 Verse 15 and verse 16, and, and there's a lot of places we le- read in Matthew 24, 25, and all through the book of Revelation that there, is a, that there is going to be a reaping time. There is a reckoning time when God will deal, when God will separate the wheat from the tares. In, in Revelation 14, just, a, just one of those examples, says another angel came forth out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him and said in the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the time has come to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe, and he that sat on the cloud put his sickle, sickle into the earth, and the earth was reaped. Just in kind of wrapping up this, one thing is God has strategically placed you. Second thing is one of Satan's go-to plays is Christian counterfeits. Can't always tell them. They don't snarl, they don't drool, and they don't always look evil. And it's not my job or your job to separate them out. He wants us to be wheat. He wants us to be son of the kingdom, children of the kingdom. Letting him live the Christian life through us. Letting him love through us. Letting him uh, minister and pray one toward another through us. And the more, I believe, the more control the Holy Spirit has in a person's life, the more they are Filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit, the more they are walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit in their life, to me, I see that as humility. And their heads are bowed as they pray for each other and one for another. It's humility. It's not the pride. He's called us to be wheat. There will be a reckoning time. 
He calls it the end of the world. He calls it the end of the age. Verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. He says in verse 39, the harvest is in the end of the world. And the tares and the angels are the reapers. Therefore, the tares will be gathered and burned in the fire. And it shall be the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all the things that offend them and do iniquity and cast them into a furnace where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. If you've got ears to hear, you need to listen. God's got a place prepared. Now, for the children of the kingdom... I love this. I've never noticed it. But verse 30 says, it's his barn. The parable is his barn. Now, I think that's the same place that we call heaven. It's a place that God has prepared for us. I've never heard it called his barn, but uh, sounds pretty good. I, I was telling that, put a whole new meaning to this Christmas when we said, come and look what's happening outside the back of the barn. Okay? Uh, because what, what, it, what it says and what Jesus is saying is, leave them alone. I'll take care of this in my time, and my time will come, and there will be a separating. The third thing, and I'm going I'm, I'm, I to, have I said I was ending already? All right, addendum. Sarah Chapman, Phil, Sarah, Sarah was testified. She would be testifying. I've seen her in testimony meetings, and she had testified, and she, her, her, she loved saying, quoting from Revelation, she said that they would uh, overcome the devil by the word of their mouth and the blood of the lamb. So she said, I'm going to give Satan a black eye. I'm going to give him a testimony. And I have heard her say a P.S., so this is a P.S. For, for a saint that's gone home to be with the Lord. As I look at this parable, there's only wheat and tares. And I would look at it and say, where are you this morning? Because he has a place prepared for both. He has a place prepared for wheat, his barn, his barn. And the, neat, and, and the neat thing about it is, listen, listen to this. The reapers that go together their tares for everlasting, for, for fire, for everlasting punishment. People that go to hell are not going to be put in hell because of all the bad things they did. You're not going to go to hell because of what you've, what you've done with deeds any more than you're going to heaven by all the good that you did. We can't go to heaven because of the good we did. The only, only way to the heaven, the only door is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did the good when he lived sinless life and died on the cross. And, and as a gift, he, he gave, gives us eternal life in exchange for our faith and trust in him. Those who, who are going to be gathered up to be separated from the children of what is, what is that? From the children of the uh, kingdom is going to be those who have refused God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. This morning, the good news is if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, he, he, he wants you to. He died for you to. We know we're praying biblically because it says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come 
to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All should come to repentance and a change of heart in trusting him. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, people around you may, may, you may, try, you may have tried to, to look Christian. We clean up. We may, we may have cleaned up the way we act. We may have cleaned up the way we talk. We may have done all this cleaned up. Listen, men can't tell the difference. Sometimes they think they can. They probably just fool themselves, you know. But God knows, and he knows your heart, and he loves you. Now, that's pretty awesome. Let's pray. Father, we look at this parable, and there's some, there's some really, really powerful truths here that you strategically have placed your children where we are for kingdom purposes. And that, Lord, you, you, you want us to just grow where, we, where you've planted us, where you've sown us, and to, to, come, to be fruitful. And, Lord, you've let us know that there's probably going to be those counterfeit, those tares, those... Uh, until the end of the age. But you have a plan for dealing with this. And you have a place prepared for both. Father, that's awesome. Thank you this morning for that. And Father, it'd be my prayer as we come to just a closing time right here, that if there's any here this morning that have never trusted you as Lord and Savior, they'd forget about what they look like or what other people think about them, and they would just allow you to look at their heart and they would say, I need you in my heart. I need, I need you to come into my life. I need you to take what's left and I need you to make me the person you want me to be. Do that, Lord Jesus. Do that. If that's you this morning, why don't you just pray? Just cry out and ask God to come in. Or you can pray, you can pray with me. God, I, I know I need you. I need your son, Jesus his forgiveness come into my heart forgive me my sins cleanse me of my sins and grow me more and more like your son Jesus if you pray that prayer it would be a good time to say thank you Lord I, I don't understand I know it's not magic words these are words of faith and it says I believe them and act upon them that you respond to that faith and save me. So thank you. Thank you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to pray with you especially. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Quickly, see the hands. Just quickly put them right back down. See those hands? Just put them right back down. God is so awesome and so good. He loves us. He loves you. I see those hands. And he has you can just put them right back down. Thank you. God, I am so overwhelmed with your mercy and your goodness and your grace toward me, toward us, toward your people. What an honor to be called a child of the kingdom, a child of God. Now, thank you, Lord, for this, this morning, for this, this response to your word. And I pray that you would help us uh, stay rooted and grounded as your word stays rooted and grounded in our hearts. It would produce that fruit that you long for in Christ's name.